With Hyphen Magazine, I'm film and TV editor Christian Ting with a special edition of our Hyphen and Hollywood podcast. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, um, Albert Tsai from the current Dreamless Picture Abominable. Albert, how's it going? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Christian. It's been great. So how, you know, once again, congratulations on your work with Abominable. It came out a couple weeks ago. Thank you. What has been the fan reaction so far? To the film? It's been so amazing. We've seen so many families and kids that have loved the movie. They went and seen it several times. And it's so great that we're able to bring such an authentic and really just heartwarming story and movie to theaters. And I think it's really great that it's number one at the box office mm-hmm. opening weekend um, because it really just shows that audiences want original and diverse storytelling. They want um, representation and that all of that matters. So. Truly. Uh, I had a chance to catch the screening of the film actually at, at my workplace at CAA and I got oh. to meet with the director Jill along with producer Suzanne. That's awesome, just, yeah. It, it seems that, you know, this was obviously a, a work of integrity. There was a lot of passion behind this too. So yes, there was. As an actor, you know, in terms of looking at your projects, what drew you to this involvement with this film? What well, was- I auditioned for Abominable. Uh, it was called Everest back when I auditioned for it <laughs> three years ago. Um, and as soon as I read the script and the character description for paying my character, I really just fell in love with both my character and just the story because I thought it was such a a heartwarming and funny story, like you'll laugh and you'll cry type thing. And I thought that was really great. Um, I I instantly fell in love. What were, in, in your kind of in your discovery, what were some of the personal things you found as you became more involved with the production with respect to learning about sort of, I guess, the mythos of, you know, Abominable, but also like your castmates? What were some things that you like discovered? Yeah, well, I found really interesting just the entire process of creating an animated movie Mm -hmm. because I've been with the project like I said for three years I was cast when I was 12 and (laughs) now I'm 15 Um, I was 15 when the premiere happened so yeah it's been three years coming it's been a very long time and I've enjoyed every part of it but especially watching each step of making this movie um, starting from like the first table read with the first script and all the revisions that went through Mm -hmm. and the storyboarding and getting into drawing um, some of the first like sketches and then into 3D animation and layout and finishing touches, lighting, music, all of that um, added together to become the movie that you see in theaters. I guess you could say that animation is truly an involved process. It is, yeah. and it takes so much longer and it's so much more detailed than live action because a lot of shots you can't like in live action you'll you'll set up your camera and you'll build a shot and then that you can film a scene that takes up half a tv episode yeah. um whereas with animation each frame has to be individually created by an animator so it's a lot more detailed and it allows i feel like more room for creativity because nothing's set in stone yet was it cool kind of seeing it just like evolve over time from again the original storyboard to see it all was. the different graphics and yeah so what was really awesome was every recording session that I had and I would do these like spaced apart by mm-hmm. I'd say like two or three months they got more frequent as time went on and as closer we got to the release date um, so every time I went in to record at DreamWorks they would first bring me up to the animators floor and we would take a look at some of the clips they had animated in the time since we had um in the time that we have recorded since you know what I'm trying to say (laughs) in the time since the last recording session and um they would show us these clips and like 
two scenes in particular that I saw a lot, and I t- kind of tracked their progress through all the different stages of animation, were the blueberry sequence oh my God. and the scene with um, the chase through the city in the beginning of the movie when um, Yi and Everest and are being chased through the city and Peng and Jin are following on scooter with their crazy helmets. <laughs> yeah. So both those scenes I got to kind of see... Um, their development, and I think that was really cool. Yeah, and I think it just shows, and those are some of the most dynamic parts of the movie that really, in many respects, capture just the fun and the spirit of this film. And Definitely. You <clears throat> obviously play a large role in it, and just to kind of add to that, Abominable, as you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, is one, I think it is one of the first mainstream animated films that features a primarily Asian-American cast. What, how did that kind of factor into your production in terms of like working with your castmates or identify as such? Well, I think it's really great that there's finally a story that features a modern Chinese family um, as the lead and features a truly authentic story about China and Chinese culture. And I think that our creative team at DreamWorks and Pearl Studios definitely um, tried their hardest and put so much attention to detail in making this as authentic of a story as possible. And they even, like... They were so like detailed um, that you know a lot of the scenes in the um, the city at the beginning and the end mm-hmm. of the movie, they put so much hard work into that. Like they would detail it down to like like a stall in the background of a shot, like a food stall. They would like change the. I remember, what was it? Yeah, they were changing like the food on the table. And all of those things, and um, all of even all of the background cast, they were all Asian American. Um, they were all Chinese, so they definitely were as authentic as possible. And in your time, I know you're on you're on the younger side, but in terms of movies that you've seen that featured this level of representation, like for you in, in that experience, that must have been pretty significant in terms of like we really haven't seen a film like this ever. Yeah, we really haven't. Um, the last major Chinese focused film has has to be Mulan and that was 20 years ago and it was set in ancient times as opposed to this being a modern Chinese family with no period dress none of that and I think it's really great that Abominable doesn't fall into such stereotypes Um, and I've really never seen an animated movie like it yeah and especially you know I think the point of stereotyping too leads into the discussion about like creating something that's authentic and that feels truthful and honest and our goal, I think, especially as an actor, of normalizing that type of characterization. Yeah. Letting it, letting it flow, letting it, you know, live. Yeah. Um, I think it's really great that our movie really normalizes it and doesn't, like I said, fall back on stereotypes or, um, like, archetypal characters. I mean, it does use characters that are universal, mm-hmm. um, but doesn't make them, like, stereotypically Chinese. And if there are any stereotypes used, they're like positive ones, like caring about your family, yes. like filial piety, yeah. things that for Asian Americans like ourselves are, are, are universal. Yeah. But I think, you know, in, in watching the film in, like a, in a very diverse audience, seeing people across culture resonate with those qualities, I think was very powerful mm-hmm. um, as a viewer. So tell us more, just like in a fun side, how do you prepare for your role um, as Peng? What were the, the research you did? Did you pull from your own experiences? I kind of infused my personality into Peng a bit, and they sort of based Peng's personality on me. Um, Or it was just a coincidence (laughs) um, that we were sort of similar. And what's really cool is that inside the booth, they have this camera that's recording me while I do the voiceover. (laughs) And um, the the purpose of this is because nothing has been animated yet when I record a scene, um, that when I'm doing it, 
I often, me being a TV actor, I'm used to doing all the like facial expressions and body movements and hand gestures along with the dialogue. And they'll take that and the animators will look at it and they'll sort of import it onto Ping. Um, so in the movie, you see a lot of scenes where not only I have the dialogue, um, that a lot of the hand gestures and facial expressions I actually did in the booth. Was this done in like kind of like a mocap fashion or was it more just them using as a reference? It was just a reference. Yeah. They didn't have to do anything special. It was just literally a camera recording me as I do it. And because I couldn't move around too much yeah. because of the mic and making sure the audio quality is good, um, it was really just facial expressions and hand gestures mostly. Was this, in terms of like working as like a mainstream animated film, was this your first time involved with this? Have you done animation before in your career? Or was this... It's my first time. It's like my first big animated project. Yeah. So yeah, it's been very exciting for me, and this project and this character of Pang will really always have a special place in my heart. It was. Did you have any uh, creative input regarding the layout and the, the design of Pang down to his clothing, to his expression, to like, I guess... I wouldn't say I really had like creative input, but I really trusted our director Jill and yeah. Todd and Suzanne and the entire creative team at both studios. And I think they really did a great job of representing this like fun-loving Chinese kid, who just has a has an appetite for a lot of soda pop, clearly. Yes, and a passion for basketball. <laughs> oh, and I also want to add because I know you were asking about this earlier that um, the cast didn't actually record together in the booth because of the nature of animation. All yeah. of us recorded our dialogue separately for the most part. Um, it's just us in the booth alone with nothing to reference off of, really. It's just us and our director, Jill. Um, and Jill reads the rest of the characters. She's actually a great actress, yeah. <laughs> being able to do so many different characters. But it's a truly different experience yeah. than live action because you don't have anything to look at. Nothing. You don't have any of the sets or the other actors or any special effects. Like, if you're talking to Everest, that was really the hardest bit because yeah. Everest... Like, Jill couldn't read Everest. There's really nothing to reference off of. You just have to talk to nothing and imagine all of it in your mind and portray it through your voice. Can you take us through your first day on set, I guess, in the booth? And what scene did you record? What would you feel? Were you, were you anxious? Were you just curious just to get it out and just kind of explore this? I don't remember exactly <laughs> what my first day was like, having been done, having doing this for three years. Yeah. Um... But I do remember that I think the first thing that I did was the table read, yeah. which was really cool. Um, that was, was the, the, the whole cast was involved there, too. I was actually the first one cast. Um, so, nice. yeah, three years ago, I was the first one cast. So I don't actually think Chloe or Tenzing was at the table read, um, but they had a lot of the animators there. I remember there was animators reading Burnish. And actually, fun fact, back then, um, this is all coming back to me now, um, <laughs> the first like kind of edition of the script, I guess you call it, um, the first draft. Burnish was actually two people. There was the Burnish brothers. Yeah. But that, and Dr. Zara wasn't really a character yet. She wasn't the villain or really a character yet. It was just the two Burnishes. But it got way too complicated, and you couldn't, like, differentiate between the two characters. Yeah. Um, so they just nixed one and kept it with one Mr. Burnish and the Dr. Zara. So things like that changed a lot through the many um, additions and drafts of the script. But Peng's 
his energy and I was just for the perfect segue for the next question was that you know Peng is he functions as such a comedic relief and yeah. he's also a very sharp foil to uh, Tenzing's character in Jin so and I guess it kind of answers in the same way like did I banter carry with you guys during your recording sessions even though you record independently but like as a cast that you guys bonded together like was that element present when you- it did because we did do a few recording sessions together as a cast we did it with uh, Chloe and Tenzing and me together um, so I feel like there we really had that sort of banter. I know the scene where we're at the village, the the village by the river, yeah. um, and getting into the bow, and all of those lines we did together, as well as when you first meet Peng and Jin. Um, so the banter was sort of present in both those scenes. I'm grateful there was chance for you guys to interact together, too. Yeah. I think it, it lends itself, as you're familiar, as a live-action TV actor, you play off of people's energies. Yeah, you really do. It's such... It feels more like traditional acting as yeah. opposed to the animation that is and the the animation and the voiceover that I described earlier. It's very different. Yeah. Um. So I sort of appreciated that we had a few of those moments. Yeah, and I think it kind of lends itself for our next question, which really goes down to like, can you share with us just like what your creative approach was to voice acting? You know, it being kind of a new arena for you. Yeah. In comparison to your work on like a comedic TV show like uh, Coop and Cammy. Was there any differences that did you use in terms of, like, your skill set, in terms of how you thought about your character? Well, I think the imagination was really a big part of it. Um, Imagining what my character is doing, what he's thinking, saying, what he looks like or is feeling right now. All of that, you you sort of have to create the scene in your mind. They don't show you, like... I mean, they'll show you drawings of, like, the iconic scenes, like the one where um, where we're flying on the dandelion or (laughs) the blueberry sequence, stuff like that. But just for the general scenes, um, you really have to imagine it without any sort of outside input. And you sort of just create it from the script in your mind. So there's that. And also, I feel like for Pang, I really just went with the flow. Like, um, I didn't try to, like... Because I feel like for a lot of TV roles, you have to mold it to exactly what, what like exactly the circumstances listed in the script. Yeah. But for animation, you can really just go with the flow, and we would change stuff around. We would experiment a bit with the lines, ad lib, and do a little bit of improv. And Jill and the creative team were so collaborative, so it was nice that they let us sort of play around with it since nothing's set in stone yet. Like exactly. You said. Well, we're, we're looking forward to seeing the, the B roll and the blooper reel when the when the DVD comes yes, out. Yes, I can't sure wait to see of- that. Yeah, I haven't even seen it. Um, yeah. And having done this for three years, I don't remember every blooper we've made. So, <laughs> <laughs> when's the last time that you saw the, the, the completed film in its entirety? What is the last time? Um, well, the premiere, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. the premiere. So we've seen. I've seen it so many times lately. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like remember the order. So the first time that I saw the completed film in its entirety, um, with credits and music and all the finishing touches was at the world premiere at TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival, and that was so exciting. Yeah. And I see in your next question, um, that's one of that was definitely <laughs> one of the emotional high points. Um, and I think we were all so excited, and I think Jill said she was kind of nervous because this was the first time any of us had seen it with, like, a true audience. Yeah. We were used to seeing it with, like, 20 or 30 of us, yeah. but seeing it with a 1,000 people in this giant historic, historic theater as part of the film festival was really just so exciting. That's amazing. I think it's it's very fitting, too, that TIFF, you know, obviously being an international film festival, and yeah. this film being sort of an international collaboration with Pearl and its Definitely. Well as DreamWorks, that it lends itself to that type of 
distinguished in that type of prestige. So Definitely. I'm sure it was cool just yeah. to be able to, to soak in that moment. Like, as, as just to be proud of what you guys did, because obviously, box office aside, like, it's going to be a milestone that we look back on the same way that we've reflected on Crazy Rich Asians in 2018. As yeah. these, so these watermarks of, like, what we can achieve when we kind of work together. So obviously we're all super, you know, just super proud and super grateful that this is kind of happened the way it did. And I'm sure yeah. you feel the same way. I remember like the cast and um, the directors and all of us, we were backstage in um, backstage from TIFF because we went out on the stage um, mm-hmm. at TIFF. And I remember we were backstage at TIFF in this sort of like backstage area. And we were all just talking and being like, wow, we're finally here. We're at the world premiere. And the actual release date is only weeks away. And so it was really exciting for all of us. I, I can imagine, too. And just like... Having worked on this for so long. Right. But, and, and that was said, and you, look, you're only 15 and you've obviously been in the business for some time now, too. But, like, can you just talk more about, like, the expectations that you kind of, like, have approached? You know, obviously being a child actor, but also, like, the additional layer of, you know, this being sort of, like, you know, in many ways, like an Asian-American ensemble film and, like... You kind of you you talk to your friends about like what you wanted to kind of achieve like your own personal sort of goals regarding the film regarding what you want to do for your career like can you speak more to that? Well, I think I really wanted to be a part of this project because it represented such an authentic Chinese culture and story, mm-hmm. and I'm like we've obviously had such a like great push and sort of like tidal wave of representation and diversity and all these amazing projects coming out. Abominable is one of them. And I was really grateful and honored to be part of this push. Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially like given so like early on in your career too, as you kind of go on that you can kind of like look back even like 10 years from now when you're in your twenties to see like what, like you've been present for that movement, like since the beginning yeah. too. So it, in my opinion, I think it bodes very well for like as you continue to kind of like take on projects that represent your passions and what you care about too. So thank you very much. It's awesome, Albert. Um, I guess a more fun question, like, and the segue, like, it, what other like supernatural, paranormal creatures or stories? Because Abominable is about a yeti. Yes, um, that's the other aspect of it. The yeah, yeti. The yeti. <laughs> what like creatures from storybooks or any type of canon? W- would you want to see be a part of whether that be like an animated film or live action? You think it'd be really cool. That's okay, kind of so <laughs> I thought a great deal about this, and I realized that I really love dragons. Like yetis aside, dragons I think are my favorite myth, like mythical creature. Um, so any project with dragons, Game of Thrones reboot? I don't know. <laughs> um, they just finished this year, so I'm assuming not. But um, what else? I. Really love the Harry Potter books, so anything from there, like, um, just being, like, in, like, a magical story like that would be so cool for me, yeah. to wave around a wand. Um, <laughs> and I, like, mythical creatures, I did really love Greek mythology. I had a big Greek mythology phase around 5th or 6th grade, mm-hmm. so a couple years ago, and, um, <laughs> and so I really love that, and maybe any of those stories... Yeah. Truly. And it's funny you mentioned Dragons as DreamWorks, as you know. is How to Train Your Dragons. Which, one of the best animated franchises probably ever just really gets it so... Um, Like, Supernatural, sort of aside, I do really love Marvel movies, and I've always been a huge Marvel fan, so um, to play a superhero would be, like, dream come true for me. Exactly. Yeah, to do any of those, like, cool action films. I've always been a huge fan. Move over, see move. Let's let's get it. (laughs) Let's go. 
Um, also, just they must be kind of ask you like, how do you balance? Obviously, like you're you're a, a full time actor, but do you are you still in school as well? What's sort of like the the scheduling? Like yeah, that? so I'm still in school. I'm a sophomore right now. I'm in high school, which I still can't really believe, and I don't <laughs> think I ever really registered because like, like people say how much of a big difference high school is. I never really noticed anything because it was just. I'm still on the same show, yeah. like going from middle school to high school, so it doesn't feel any different to me. Um, but basically, my school situation is I go to online school, online public school, and it's still the exact same curriculum that you'll see in a normal public high school, and I just get all the homework and things from uh, online, mm-hmm. from my laptop, and um, there are still teachers I reach out to and contact. And on set, you're basically it's mandated that, like, out of a nine and a half hour day, um, three hours is for my schooling. So oh, wow. I always, yeah, I always get my school done um, every day, and yeah, and there's a studio teacher on set that can help, more like a tutor. So, yeah. And this is for like all the all the actors that are obviously you know still in school as well too. Or yeah, you guys, yeah, definitely anyone who's still in school. I had, I I had just from my own personal curiosity, I, I always wonder like how you balance that on top of you know. No, yeah, it's it's definitely a a bit difficult. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of scheduling that goes on, but. I've always enjoyed school and enjoyed um, reading. I've always loved reading, so yeah. I love it. I definitely it. want to stay in school. All that on top of, obviously, promoting a, a live-action film and promoting Abominal, so you yeah. clearly, you know, you have your work cut out for you. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Speaking of work, to kind of conclude here, what are you working on next? Obviously, you have your show right now, but anything in, in the in the pipeline that you, that you want to talk about and share? Yeah, I'm really just been busy working on Coop and Cammy. Um, season 2 just premiered last Saturday, so October 5th. Um, it premiered October 5th, and we have new episodes of Season 2 airing every Saturday at 10.30 a.m. on Disney Channel. So really just working on that. We have a lot more of that, and um, including Abominable and a few other things I can't share right now. But, uh, <laughs> they're in the works. Keep it around. We'll, we'll be sure to keep a lookout for it uh, in the future as well. But I just want to say on, on behalf of Hyphen, our readership, and our podcast, uh, Albert, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thank really you, Christian. It. Thanks no for problem. having me. And to the readership and the followers, again, Kill Catch Abominable, Dreamless Film. It's currently Yes, I hope everyone loves the movie. Um, definitely go see in theaters with your family and go, uh, go with your kids if you have them. Um, and yeah, have a lot of fun. It's really just such a great time. Bring the parents, the kids, the dogs, and the Yeti. And yes, the whole, and the, whole, the Yeti. The group definitely well. fly there on a cloud koi fish with your pet Yeti. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're not doing that, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Albert, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you, yeah. Christian.